Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. I'm gonna talk about myself. Happy birthday to me. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. We're taking a little different turn with the podcast today. As always, check the show notes, episode description for content and trigger warnings. I am your host, Naomi, and this is Mosaic in Progress. At the time of this recording, it is my birthday, and in a few hours, I'm going to be 35, which is mind-blowing to me. I never really thought that I would live to be this old. Not really sure why. I always kind of felt like I would die young, and honestly, maybe I did in a way, in a metaphorical sense of death, because I'm certainly not the person that I used to be. In fact, unrecognizable to many people, both physically and my personality. I'm thinking a lot lately about life and death and goals and direction and the future and I guess I'm having a little bit of an existential crisis which I think is kind of normal on big birthdays and maybe 35 doesn't seem like that big of a birthday to some people but according to certain categorizations from psychological and medical professionals, 35 is the beginning of middle age. And given the life expectancy of my, most of my family, 30 was about middle age for me. And I certainly had quite the midlife crisis around my 30th birthday. Because a lot of my family has died in their 60s. And I remember telling my mother what what if this is this is the midpoint what if my life is half over and I came to the conclusion at the time that whether my life was half over or a third over or just a few years from ending in a way it didn't matter because whatever is behind is what is behind and I can't change what happened. I can't change what is past. I can waste energy regretting it, but that doesn't really do me much good. All I can do is do the best that I have with the time that is left to me, however much or little that is. But I think it's normal when you feel like you're hitting a pivotal moment in your life time-wise, to reflect and to look forward. And I find myself lately thinking about what is in my control. Because you hear all the time, you know, if you don't like what your life is, change it. It's up to you to change it. And I have repeatedly run into different situations in my life where the changing 
to what I wanted was somewhat out of my control. Whether it was that I wanted to be in a relationship and I wasn't, or I wanted people to do things with me and I didn't have people who wanted to do things. And today it's a bit melancholic. I, for my entire life, have wanted people to make a really big deal about my birthday. And as much as it is within my ability to do so for the people who are close to me, I try to make a big deal out of other people's birthdays. And one of my best friends, Maddie, sorry for calling you out by name, she, every time that I worked with her on my birthday, which was several years in a row when we were working together, as soon as the clock struck midnight on my birthday, she would run over to me and give me a big hug, which was a big deal for her because she is not a hugging person. She'd go, oh my goodness, it's your birthday. And she'd give me a big hug and tell me happy birthday. And every time she did it, I just felt so important and so loved. And it was such a small gesture, but it meant so much to me. And every time she did it, I just remember thinking, this is the kind of people that I want in my life. People who make a big deal out of me. Which I don't think is an unusual thing to think. People have different levels of how they want people to make a big deal out of them. But they want to be important to the people who they love. They want to know that the people who love them think that they're important. My family was always really big on birthdays when I was growing up always made a big deal but one of the things that always stood out to me about my birthday was that the celebrations were what other people wanted and it struck me even more in my adult life because my family was always ask for a birthday list, ask what you want for birthday dinner, ask what kind of cake or dessert you want kind of people. They didn't leave it up to chance or just do whatever they wanted to. They asked what each person wanted. And I always wanted to be surrounded by people who loved me. And my birthdays were always just my family. Which I think is why I never really felt celebrated or loved. Because if you haven't figured it out by now, listening to my podcast, 
my family didn't love me. And they never really approved of my friends or wanted much to do with them, wanted me to have much to do with them. And so my birthday always kind of felt like a disappointment and I always got a lot of presents. Though, honestly, very rarely what I wanted. And I remember my dad just being militant about how I opened presents, the speed at which I opened them, if I was paying enough attention to it or whatever. And so birthdays were always really stressful to me. And as an adult, after I moved out and they asked what I wanted, I remember the first year that I had a birthday after I moved out and my mom asked me what I wanted to do and I wanted to go to this place uh, that doesn't exist anymore that had, it was a restaurant slash bar slash uh, kind of game place. They had bowling alleys and pool tables and things like that and I wanted to go bowling at this place. I'd heard a lot of good things about it and the day before my birthday, my mom texted me and said they would not be taking me there because she had looked into it and it was a bar and they weren't going to be going to a place like that. They would just have me cake at their house. And if your celebration of someone is entirely dependent on how you want to celebrate them and not how they want to be celebrated, then it's all about you. It's not really about them. And I can't say that there's ever really been a day in my life where the focus was on me. And I think that's why I'm so uncomfortable with focus being on me. I don't have much experience with it. And this podcast has been extremely weird for me in that regard because it feels almost narcissistic. No one asked me to do a podcast. People asked me to write for over a decade now. People have been asking me to write more. People have been asking me to write my story. I have been asked more times than I can count to write the story of my life. And horror isn't really a, a genre that comes easily to me, so I haven't done that yet. But it also feels a little narcissistic and egotistical for me to just 
write down my life like anyone wants to listen or would care. And I think a big part of that is because most of my life, my voice didn't matter. My parents didn't want to listen to me. So why would I want to speak to the world about myself when the people who were supposed to love me and take care of me didn't? Being listened to and paid attention to is a very important thing, I think, for most people. I think that feeling like your voice is heard by the people who matter, feeling understood, is important. And I think it is more important, in a way... For survivors of trauma, especially childhood trauma and abuse, because that feeling of being misunderstood or unheard or silenced, you carry it with you for the rest of your life. And that feeling that you have to scream to be heard just doesn't go away. There is a very precious little girl in my life right now who screams a lot. And it's exhausting. It's very triggering for me because children screaming was a huge trigger for me. It always reminds me of having to listen to my little sister screaming when my dad was beating her, which was a very frequent thing. But I know why she screams. I've seen the way her mother interacts with her, and her mother ignores her. For the most part. She pays attention to her when she absolutely has to. Or when she's feeling in a really good mood and thinks she's being extra cute. She treats her like a little doll that she wants to put on a shelf until she wants to play with her. And that's not how children need to be interacted with. And so this little girl is used to her mom's face being in her phone constantly or in her game or watching the TV or whatever she's doing checked out from her ignoring her and she didn't always immediately scream I've known her for a little over a year now and she didn't always scream she used to start off quiet and then she would start getting louder and louder and louder until she was screaming. This has gone on for so long now that she goes straight to screaming. 
And it's not something that you can just undo and just be like, use your quiet voice. Her quiet voice has never worked for her. So why would she use it? I think most people who have been victims of childhood trauma have that feeling of needing to scream. But most of them do not have the safety to be able to. This little girl is neglected. Which is a form of emotional abuse. She is lucky that she is not abused in the same way that I was. The screaming that she does, in a way, is healthy. Because she still knows that she can use her voice. Most victims of childhood trauma lose their voice because there's no reason to keep wasting energy when you're using your voice doesn't get you what you need. It's really weird for me to think about being 35 I was never supposed to exist after my mother had my sister and almost died in childbirth and my sister almost died doctors advised her against having more children my dad didn't want her to have any more children she wanted more children she begged for years and almost lost me in the same way. I was delivered by emergency c-section and both of my sisters were also c-sections. My older sister was also an emergency. She for my whole life talked about how she had the worst incision with me. She measured it 12 inches across. Her other incisions were much smaller and she said it was a jagged incision. She said it looked like he just very quickly cut through to get me out. Which from her relaying of the story is probably what happened. He told her they had two minutes to get me out and her placenta was anterior so they had to cut through the placenta to get to me. I have the angriest baby picture I have ever seen in my life. I've never seen a more angry looking baby than myself. I have one hand clenched in a fist, the other is positioned almost like a karate chop hand. My face is red. I am scowling and gritting my non-existent teeth. My mom always said she thought they woke me up, that I was asleep 
and they woke me up, which would make sense because I'm always very angry when someone wakes me up. I always wondered if I would have similar issues as my mother did. I always wondered if my daughter would be like me, if I would have a daughter, if I would have a son. I always wanted to be a mom. That's all I ever really wanted in life was to be a mom. And it didn't happen for me. And I know now it's not going to happen for me. Endometriosis and related similar issues are uh, a bitch, if I can be frank. And I always figured by the time that I got to 35, if I made it there, I would at least have a couple kids, maybe three. It's how I always envisioned my life. I remember being about seven years old, going to my mother, crying, and telling her that I didn't think I would be able to have children. And she, of course, dismissed me, told me I was being silly. There's no way of knowing that. God would give me the children that I needed or whatever. I could always adopt if I wasn't able to have kids. But I remember thinking, not really thinking, just had this very strong feeling I was never going to be able to have kids. And it wasn't a feeling that ever left. It was a feeling that I ignored for most of my life. I shoved down. I pushed it away. I pretended it wasn't there. But I always felt like I wasn't going to be able to have kids. And clearly, I was right. It always made me really sad when I thought about it. Because that was the only thing that I wanted. Nothing else really mattered to me. I just wanted to be a mom more than anything else in the world. And after my first endometriosis surgery, I told my mom that if I was not in a serious relationship with someone who wanted kids by the time I was 35, I was going to have a hysterectomy. And she was horrified. And she told me that I shouldn't let endometriosis keep me from becoming a mother. She had endometriosis and she had kids. But what she always forgets is that she was 22 when she had her first child. She had all of her kids before 30. And shortly after the last one, she had a hysterectomy. So at the point that I told her I was considering a hysterectomy, 
in her life, she was already starting to potty train her last child. Missed opportunities or knives in the heart. And it's not something that just goes away. It's not something you can ignore. It's something you have to live with. Things that just slip away from you. And this is why I encourage my friends so much to pursue whatever it is that they're wanting in life. Because once you've missed the opportunity, once the moment's gone, it's gone. You can't get it back. You can't redo it. You can move on. You can try something else. But once it's gone, it's gone. I often wonder if I would have been a good mother. My friends who are very kind tell me that I am a mother. I did have two children. They were just never born. Miscarriage wreaks havoc on the soul. And I wonder often if I would have been a good mother to them, their fathers would not have been involved. Their fathers wouldn't even acknowledge that I was pregnant. And I do wonder if I would have been a good single mother. But we'll never know and sometimes wondering it's just a wasted exercise in mental of mental energy I know there are past versions of myself who would hate me now and I know there are past versions of myself would be so proud and happy where I am and how far I've come and I know that there are past versions of myself that would be disappointed in me one thing that I have learned is that the past versions of you are gone. They're dead. They are only as alive as you decide to keep them. And you don't owe them anything. The only person you really owe anything to, the only people you really owe anything to, are yourself in the present and your future self.
So I think a lot about what my future self needs from me now. Because past me thought a lot about my future self and most of it was very wrong and misguided. And the thing about thinking about your future self is that your future self is going to have a lot of wisdom that your current self does not. But the thing is, what I am doing today is creating who I am tomorrow. And so the best thing that I can do is think about what I want to be tomorrow. Who do I want to be? How do I want to feel? What do I want to look like? What do I want to show up like? And in a way, it's like parenting yourself. How do you want to set yourself up for success? How do you want to raise yourself to be? And I hope that future me will be kind, will be loving, and will have better boundaries and a stronger, more effective voice than present me does. I want to go back to an idea I introduced in the beginning of the podcast. Changing your life, being dependent on other people. So for a long time, I really wanted to be in a relationship. And I really wanted friends who would show up for me. I have the most wonderful circle of friends now. I have people who I know would literally help me hide a body if I needed them to. I have people who would and have come and sat with me in my darkest times, just sat with me. I have a friend who came and helped me brush my hair after my last miscarriage. And she bought hair dye and she re-dyed my hair for me and brought me some chocolates and a new dress and which is still one of my favorite dresses. I have friends who are what friends should be. I didn't for most of my life. And I remember very intentionally deciding I was going to have friends like that. And the way that I created my circle of friends that I have now is I said no to every energy that wasn't that. The friends who only wanted me as far as I fit into their perception of me. 
as far as I could fit into the box of their expectations of what a person should be. I distanced myself from them. I don't feel badly at them. I don't wish them any ill. But they were not right for me. I wanted genuine people who love. And that is what I have in my circle now. And I have continued to consistently say no to energy that isn't that. People who want to feed off of me. And there are certainly people who want to feed off of me. I know I am a big personality. And there are people who feed on that. They just want to draw energy from it. They want to be associated with it. They bring nothing to the table but a drain. And I don't want people like that in my life. I don't want to be your source of positive energy and strength. And I don't mean that in that you can't get that from me. I mean if you're just coming to me like a leech or a vampire with nothing to offer in return. You just want to use me. You're not a friend. And I recently cut someone out of my life who was very much that and she was very latched on to me and my husband in an extremely toxic way that just made me very uncomfortable. Every interaction with her just felt bad. Even if I couldn't put my finger on anything she said or did that was wrong, it felt bad. And it was very obvious that she just wanted to feed off of our energy. And she reacted in a typical narcissistic fashion when we cut her off and even claimed to have been the reason for us getting together, which was comical because we met before I met her. Um, and it, uh, it really solidified my conviction in cutting her off that I did the right thing in doing so. She even told me that I wasn't really setting a boundary that I was just being jealous and I was afraid of real connection. She went to my husband and accused me of being jealous and asked if I had any female friends. Which again is very comical because I am surrounded by a tribe of very supportive women. And it is a mutual support. I support them, they support me. We're there for each other. And... To see 
it's it's almost weird to me now because I have created so much distance between myself and narcissistic type people that it's weird to me to be exposed to it again in such a personal way to see someone being so absolutely selfish and wrapped up in themselves that they don't even see the harm that they're causing to another person to be so absolutely checked out from your own energy you don't even know how you're showing up in the world and I think that to me is one of the most important things that I seek out in the people I surround myself with people who are honest with themselves about themselves and sometimes that means shadow work and sometimes that means therapy and sometimes that just means you look at yourself in the mirror every day and ask who you are and however it looks for you is okay but it's important to know who you are and to know how you're showing up in the world I hope that when I walk out of a room or when I leave a job or when I leave this world that people think that it was made better by my presence in some way that I brought honesty and love and kindness and hopefully a little fun and humor as well. I hope I am leaving this world a better place. It is what I strive for every single day to create an energy where people are comfortable to be themselves. That is why I show up unapologetically myself everywhere I go because I know what it's like to have to hide who you are. And I don't want anyone to ever have to do that around me. And I want them to become so comfortable being themselves around me that they're comfortable wherever they go to be themselves. Because you, your unique self, whoever you are, whatever your uniqueness is, you were put on this earth for a purpose. The world needs that energy. Whatever it is that you are was needed. The world, the universe, it's all about balance. It is always seeking homeostasis. And if you don't show up as yourself, the world is missing out.
you are a light set forth in the world for a reason. I remember in nursing school them talking about the miracle of birth and quite unreligiously our instructor explained to us why it was a miracle and how improbable it was for conception to happen and then birth after that. There are so many millions and billions of DNA cells that never find a home to reproduce. So many eggs and sperm that are just lost for two to meet, to take root, to grow, is so improbable. You're here for a reason. The world needs your energy, so be fully yourself. Show up as yourself, who you are. Because the world needs that. This was absolutely a detour from what I intended for this podcast to be. But it's my birthday and no one planned me a party. (laughs) So I'm a party by myself by talking into my phone. I don't get a lot of what I want in life but that's okay and if you don't get what you want that's okay too see what you can change see how you can get what you want sometimes what you want is dependent on other people And other people will very often disappoint you and let you down because they're human. And that's what humans do. We disappoint people. We let them down. We are incredibly flawed and prone to error. That is what makes us human. So embrace it. Embrace the flawed being that you are. You are perfectly flawed. Imperfectly flawless. Be yourself. Always. And I hope that you will join me on the podcast next week as we both continue to work on our mosaic in progress. As a reminder, we are on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. 
please follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Share with your friends. We are also on social media, Facebook and Instagram, both Mosaic in Progress on Instagram. It's at Mosaic in Progress, one word. Please give us a follow, like and share our posts. And I look forward to joining you next week on the podcast here.